killers, murderers, decoding the crime verse. 911, what's your emergency? Tick, tick, tick. Boom. Welcome to another episode of Decoding the Crime Verse right here on Active FM. I am Nalzi Lee. And I am Danny. And this week we are doing one of the most interesting people we've ever done. <laughs> I'm glad you liked my topic this I really time. Did. She In the beginning, I about my topic. <laughs> so we're actually doing something different today i don't think we've done a bombing before i mean we've done kidnappings we've done murder yeah. we've done serial yeah. killers but we today we have a bombing yes and the, Hence wor- the title the man that um the world eventually knew as theodore kaczynski came to our attention in 1978 with the explosion of his first primitive homemade bomb at Chicago University. Over the next 17 years, this man for 17 years, he mailed and hand-delivered a whole series of increasingly sophisticated bombs that killed three Americans and injured nearly two dozen more. Along the way, he showed fear and panic, even threatening to blow up airliners in flight. If I was alive during this time and someone was going to tell me they were going to bomb my plane while it was in the sky, you would catch me. I don't know what I would do. I wouldn't leave my house. Me too. I'd be like, no, it's fine. But you're the pilot. No, not today. <laughs> I'm going to stay at home. <laughs> but the thing was, it was 17 years. Imagine. I know. I would go, guys, out of left America. 17 years of terror. you shaking the whole of the 17 years. You don't know when this bomb is coming. Where it's coming Next thing you get a to. package and kaboom in your house, and then you did. I wouldn't no. pick up packages oh, anymore. Yeah, so let's get right into it. I'm gonna read a story, and this is from biography.com because you know, referencing <laughs> is important. And this is basically the story of the Unabomber. In 1978, Ted Kaczynski sent a homemade bomb to Northwestern University. The campus security officer who opened it, Terry Maker, sustained minor cuts and burns when the bomb exploded. This was the start of Kaczynski's 17-year spree of attacks using homemade bombs. Targets included American Airlines Flight 444 in 1979, the president of United Airlines, Percy Wood, in 1980, the University of Utah in 1981, Janet Smith, a secretary at Vanderbilt University in 1982, and many more. Kaczynski's first known murder victim was computer store owner Hugh Scruton, who was killed outside his shop in 1985. Kaczynski's final two murder victims were advertising executive Thomas J. Mossa in New Jersey in 1994 and timber industry lobbyist Gilbert Brett Murray in California in 1995. In total, the FBI tracked 16 bombs created by Kaczynski that resulted in 23 injured victims and three deaths. Only two bombs were identified and diffused prior to the explosion. Near the start of Kaczynski's reign of bombing attacks in 1979, an FBI task force was started known by the acronym UNIBOM, which stood for University Airline Bombings. In due time, the UNSUB became known as the UNIBOMER. 
Over the next two decades, the task force grew to more than 150 full-time members. They painstakingly investigated the lives of victims and recovered bomb components, but Kaczynski was smart. He was careful to leave no forensic evidence. He used only easily found materials to make his bombs and the victims were chosen at random. It wasn't until 1995 when Kaczynski's 35,000-word essay titled Industrial Society and Its Future made its way into the media that the FBI had their break. On September 19, 1995, the manifesto was published in the Washington Post and New York Times, and among thousands of responses, the tips received daily for months, the FBI queued into David Kaczynski's, which described his troubled brother, Ted. Using letters and documents written by Ted, Provided to the FBI by David, the FBI linguistic analysis determined the manifesto's author was, in fact, Kaczynski. Okay, this man. Can we first talk about the fact that everything he used for the bombs was found? He didn't buy yeah. anything. Yeah. Okay. So there was no, the store records showed, paper the trail. showed him. No paper trail, no money trail. That is brilliant. Right? It's you just fight because what to maximize damage in a bombing they always put like screws or yeah. like pieces of wood because then it, yeah. when it explodes it can hit someone yeah but i mean you, i mean you can find that just lying around if you go dumpster diving i'm sure you could find yeah. quite a bit of stuff that could cause yeah. damage but i mean that is brilliant and the fact it went on for 17 years you can't just be stupid to get away from the FBI. Okay, maybe. No, this man was the, the one. FBI and oh, evidence. no, no, no. Wait, you can't get away from the FBI, though. Yeah, they just have to lose the evidence, you know. Yeah, and then... <laughs> but, I uh... mean... I feel like this is... I think this is the type of guy where you had the high IQ mixed with that psycho. Yeah. That just <laughs> is not a good combination. Yes. <laughs> We've seen before... So, if you look at the timeline, he started in on the 25th of May, 1978, and ended on the 24th of April, 1995. Again, 17 years. There were 16 bombs in total, two were defused, and three deaths. Now, for me, I actually think three deaths is very minimal. I was expecting a yeah. lot more deaths. Like, I'd heard of the Unabomber before. I think I watched a documentary when I was younger. But, I yeah. mean, the fact that I knew his name, I'm thinking there's probably, like, I mean, I'm grateful there's only three deaths. I don't want more yeah. people dead. But, like, for someone so high profile, the fact that there was only three casualties is pretty, I mean, pretty good. I don't know. Do Does we call him a serial killer? Do you think he was... Yeah, no, he was trying to kill the people. He said he was trying to kill the people. Actually, is there hmm, a serial bomber? I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. That's actually... That's an interesting question. <laughs> But you know what also made him pretty scary was that he didn't stick to one state. Like, he, his yeah. bombs were in Illinois, Utah, Tennessee, California, Washington, Michi Michigan, Connecticut, and New Jersey. Now, it's not like, for example, me going out being like, oh, I hate the color of grass in Joburg and only bombing Joburg. He's yeah. bombing different states. So you could literally, one day he could have woken up and been like, oh, I want to bomb Vegas and send a bomb to Vegas. Like, that's really scary because how do you track that? How do but you also, keep an eye out for that? Because that's a also, lot of... They I mean, said America's that, big. Yeah. It is, <laughs> they said that he'd go to a library and he'd literally research. And on his research, he would find a victim and then he would like, yeah, bomb that victim. victims out the library. So, I mean, 
Firstly, whose library are you in that you're just picking victims in? I mean, if it was my library, I'd be like, man, this guy was here for 17 years and I didn't know what he was doing. But secondly, that's random. So how do you find No, him? exactly. It's not like he's going after people with just blonde hair or females. Yeah. I yeah. mean, because then you you could put out like a warning on the news being like, all females with blonde hair, please don't open any packages that get delivered yeah. to your house. But this is everyone. He just picks... Yeah. I mean, there were men, women, old, young, people who work at universities, people who yeah. work at the airport. I mean, how do you... That's what I think was so scary. I mean, because yeah. you don't know when he strikes next and you don't know where it's going to be. You don't know who it's going to... I'd freak. I'd freak. I would have been gone to Mexico. A hundred percent. I think I the reason why he also like lasted long was because he wasn't stupid. He wasn't like, yeah. okay, this year I'm going to send out 12 bombs. 16 bombs in 17 years is very random. And uh, it's like, like one a year. How do you know when it's coming, where it's coming, if it's over 17 years? And I'm sure exactly. they only picked up it's- the pattern after the third or the fourth one. They were like, wait, this is weird. Because the first two could, could have been said to be random, yeah. to be quite honest. Well, I mean, if we look, so obviously we said he's got his Unabomber manifesto. Now, for me, the fact that there's a manifesto. Now, I mean, I, like, they're big people, smart people, like yeah. Karl Marx. Those are the type of people who are writing manifestos. Manifestos, not yeah. not average Joe. Not yeah. an average Joe. So that already shows you his high IQ. Some people do kind of dispute it as a work of a crazy man. But, yeah, I mean, so I don't think it so. was called... No, yeah, I think he was, I think he knew what he was doing. It was called Industrial Society and Its Future, and it was 35,000 word essay. Guys, I struggle to get 4,000 words for my, my assignments. When they um, say so 35, 5,000 words, you're like, no. <laughs> this guy's writing at 35, oh, my yep. word. <laughs> and basically, this is what the manifesto says. The manifesto contends that the Industrial Revolution began the harmful process of technology destroying nature while forcing humans to adapt to machines and creating a socio-political order that suppresses human freedom and potential. Now, this, the Industrial Revolution, the first one, happened in the 1700s in um, the, like Europe. And basically, yeah. that's when people went from farming to like more working in factories, living in the city. Yeah. Now, I understand... There is always consequences to these type of things. Like, for example, at that time, there was heavy pollution because now everyone was working in factories. Everyone was crowded together. I understand there are consequences. But if you think I would rather go back and live on a farm, no, thank you. I'm really fine. I mean, the other day I was just thinking to myself because the other day we were battling with internet and I said to someone, how on earth did we live before Wi-Fi? I mean, what were we doing? (laughs) Because it's so crazy. I wouldn't want to go back to that life. No, thank you. No, first of all, I'm scared of chickens and I'm allergic to horses. So I'm also scared of chickens. Oh, look at this. Chickens scare me like the queen. No, same. I don't like chickens. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. I'll eat the chicken, but I don't want to touch it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, there's a quote from the manifesto that says, we give up a piece of ourselves whenever we adjust to conform to society standards that we're too plugged in. We're letting technology take over our lives willingly. Now, I mean, okay, yeah. I mean, you can say that, but I still wouldn't choose to go back like, I think he was a very Wi-Fi. sad, rejected man. And he was seeing more and more how he, he, he... I think he felt like he was losing everything. And he 
looked at society and he's like the more and more we go into this place the more and more people reject each other the more and more there's the loss of connection well, if you look at it i mean i kind of disagree i think with like as we've gone we've got more connection with people i mean i was watching a video yesterday with a whole bunch of people at a concert and i was like these people were from around the world a couple of hundred years ago that wouldn't have been possible i mean first of all with like segregation and like yeah. the whole feminist th- like people like that wouldn't have actually been able to collectively get together but that's yeah. possible nowadays like yes there's downfalls like de- dehomogenization of culture we- we're losing culture and i mean we all wear the same clothes we watch the same i get that <laughs> but i still wouldn't go back I mean, I wouldn't either. I mean, we've seen at restaurants where you go out with each other and they both on their phones. It's like, why are you guys out here? Yeah, together? that's a or downfall. Or people that stay that in the same downfall. house. But think, yeah. think of, imagine not being able to have a fridge. I mean, they used to have to keep everything in a box with salt <laughs> and not, no, no, I'm fine. Maybe it's the generation I grew up in, but I'm not yeah. about to go back to 1920s. Okay. Oh, wait, I do want to go to the 1920s. No, no, 1920s. Yes. <laughs> 1800s. <laughs> so the investigation, like we said, was led by an FBI task force called Unibom, which I thought was quite clever. It's University, yeah. U-M, airline is the A, and then bomb is bombing. Yeah. I read, because I, when I originally heard the name Unibomber, I'm like, what is that? Sounds cool, that? though. <laughs> but then I found out it actually stands for something. I was like, that's pretty cool. Like, yeah. that's cool. And we, like we said, it had 150. I mean, imagine having 150 people working your case and they cannot find you. Yeah. I mean. One person. Like. But this is why we say, why do you have so many detectives FBI? If you can't, yep. like one person. One. Yep. And basically they would collect, obviously, evidence and stuff like that. But they 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 like it was all random stuff like he just yeah. used random stuff the victims were not known they were, didn't have anything like in common however i was quite impressed because they profiled him to have lived in chicago and later san francisco which was true when they did catch yeah. him so i mean whoever profiled him that's pretty they that's did well quite <laughs> and they did profile a man but they did investigate female suspects um and he actually, when they, when he posted his manifesto, they weren't sure if they should publish it because I mean, it yeah. was like a terrorist document. It's like yeah. today in Germany, if someone had to write Mein Kampf now in Germany, they wouldn't publish it because it's, yeah. well, it's anti-Semitic and it's yeah. about killing. Yeah, we don't, <laughs> but they were like, they took the chance by publishing it in hopes that someone would recognize the writing. Yeah. And someone did. Ted's brother, David Kaczynski, actually was like, this is my brother's writing. And he actually brought forward documents and other journal writings from his brother. And they were able then to ana- analyze it and be like, this is the same person. And that's how they actually caught him. So I it was think his the fault for publish- part- publishing his manifesto, honestly. Yeah, I think the saddest part of them catching him was the fact that when he realized that it was his brother that handed him handed him in, he was like, "No, David wouldn't do that. He loves me." <laughs> and it was all always around, like in his mind, it was always always around this whole thing of rejection. I guess. Do you know his brother bought forward forty thousand handwritten journal pages? Do you know how much time you must have? 
to write this 40, guy writes a lot i mean if i had a brother that's always writing me such long things i'd be like what are you doing what's happening <laughs> nah fam and he he well he obviously was caught and he is now in a supermax prison in colorado i thought he was dead man's is still alive yeah he is i said that i was like you i think he should alive. be He's released 79. to be quite honest what yeah i had to think about that first because i was like what if he starts bombing again but i i, but I don't he, know no but i mean he's in prison he he got uh, sentenced eight consecutive life sentences without the possibility of a role i worked that out that's like 120 years my man's isn't coming out alive yeah but i uh, he's such a huge part of american history i know it's like the bad and i'm part, sorry his but like to really allow creepy. him to die in jail that's sad yeah, but next thing you let him out as a 99-year-old and then he bombs again. What are you going to do then? Listen, he's 99, he's about to die. So, oh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> no. Wow, okay. No, leave. No, actually, <laughs> what I would say, actually, looking at this, I would say that at least let him write. At least do interviews. Give us something. He yeah, can't just I mean, die and we don't get anything from him. We don't actually have interviews him. with him. There's, like, hardly any, like interview or like questioning yeah. like you can't find that on the internet yeah and but i wanted to i actually because i was because he's in a supermax in colorado and i was like he bombed lots of states so i w- then it asked the question how do if you commit a crime in a lot of states how do they choose which states you get tried in yeah like and go to jail and i actually did research they what they do is they find the place where, first of all, where you commit the most crimes, but also, for example, let's say I, I kill people in Texas yeah. and what another place, and they'll be like, we want to get her on a lethal injection. Then they'll be like, okay, we'll try her in Texas because Texas lethal injections are legal. So they, mm. they like kind of see which place will give the worst sentence for the crime, and then that's where they try the victims, which, I mean, is quite clever. Yeah. I mean, he, he was in a lot of states. Um, yeah. yeah. And I suppose then they just send you to a very... I mean, if Alcatraz was still open, this man's would have been sent there. I'm, I'm, I guarantee you that. That would have so, been cool. Right? <laughs> right? So he attended Harvard University and received a PhD in mathematics. You can't be stupid to get a PhD no. in mathematics. This man was okay? smart. Man's is smart. Okay. He worked as an assistant in mathematics at the University of California at Berkeley, but abruptly quit in 1969. After that, he went off-grid and he moved into his little cabin. Guys, if you see his cabin, it looks like horror movie stuff. I'm not even it lying. Does. Like moldy wood, dingy. It had no electricity, no yeah. running water, no yeah. heating, nothing. He went completely, which is also smart because you got no electricity bill, yeah. no water bill. Yeah. He probably grew his own food. He was completely off the grid. It's probably why they didn't find him for yeah. 17 years. It probably added to that. And... His lawyer wanted him to take an insanity plea, but he said no. Later, he tried to kill himself and then asked for a retrial, but he wanted to defend himself. Yeah. So the judge said he'll only let him defend himself after a psychiatric evaluation, which came up with that he has paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah. Now, if you've watched the movie A Beautiful Mind, you'll actually get a very good representation of what that is. Like You see things, you hear yeah. things. So yeah. my guess is in 1969, because you don't, you it doesn't show up in little kids. I think he had a schizophrenic break in 1969 
and yeah. it was triggered by technology. Yeah. So what happened is he moved off the grid because he only started bombing like nine years later. I think he then moved off the grid, did all his research, his manifesto, all that jazz, built bombs, tested bombs, whatever, whatever. But he was suffering from schizophrenia, and I, th- I'm, I'm positive. I'm well, not positive, but I'm pretty sure that the schizophrenia, whatever he was imagining, had to do with technology. Uh, well, which I would saw then result where they, when he was in university, there was a professor mm-hmm. that um, wanted to do a study with a couple of students. So he asked the students to basically sign in, but he didn't tell them what the study was. He was just like, "It's a study. It's about this and yeah. whatever." And he signed on as one of the students. But what they actually did to the students is it actually messed them up so much because they asked them to write down like they, like an essay of some sort about their dreams and goals and stuff. And then they got into an interview room and for days mm-hmm. on end, they were like ridiculing them, breaking them down. And he was basically trying to see the effects well, of interrogation on the students. Yeah, and they ridiculed them. They 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 demeaned everything. They broke them down to a level where they thought, I I mean nothing. Nothing matters. Nothing like I'm stupid. I'm. They broke them down to that level because he wanted to see the effects of um, harsh interrogation on people, and that's I think what started all of this. No, I wouldn't be surprised. Damn. Yeah. That is hectic. I mean, imagine. Yeah. And it was and for I mean, years. So. No, well, then I can imagine why he went through the psychotic break. Like, I'm not surprised. Yeah. But he then got... Um, they didn't give him the death penalty because they said he was mentally ill. Um, and he accepted life imprisonment. He pleaded to that. Yeah. And he pleaded guilty. He then, later on, was like, no, I was forced to plead guilty. And they were like, <laughs> what? No. And then basically, now he's just in prison. But like... yeah. I kind of, you know what, after, because I, watching that movie, it's a good movie, it really is. Yeah. I forgot the guy, it's a, based on a true story, I forgot who it's about, ooh, oopsies, <laughs> but, um, like, it really shows you, because the guy, his schizophrenia was that he was being hired by a secret, I think the CIA, to track yeah. Russians, because it was during this, the um, Cold War, and it's actually, it was really scary because, I mean, he actually saw people. He saw people. He imagined being stabbed. Yeah. He, like, and at the end, because obviously he's now on meds and stuff like that, he actually had to ask his his wife every now and again, is this real or is it not? Imagine That's living, crazy, not yeah. knowing what is real and what is yeah. fake. I yeah. mean, I can imagine that must be absolutely awful. But then again, he did go and bomb people. Yeah. So, like, I kind of have sympathy because he was sick and I do like recognize that. But I mean, there's a lot of people with schizophrenia who don't go and bomb yeah. and kill people. But I mean, well, I guess he thought that, that he was bringing good and justice to the world. So that is true. But I mean, like, I don't know, just the way he speaks about like the industry and like technology, yeah. I kind of feel like he was doing it to prove a point more than good if that makes sense yeah but my thing was he's trying to um how do you say like talk down technology no yeah that's not the way to say that to take down technology bring down technology yeah by building bombs which is technology (laughs) so kind of that's like 
I don't think his plan ever would have worked because he wanted to kill anyone involved in the advancement of technology. And to be quite honest, how many people would he have had to kill in order to... I don't think it would have worked. Exactly. Do you just go for, like, the big names? Like, nowadays, Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates. Do you go after those people? Or do you... I mean, do you go after the people who just work at the Apple store and fix your phone? You know what I mean? Because they work with technology. Yeah. So, I mean, for me... It was an interesting thing because I really do yeah. think he was very smart. I yeah. really think he's got a high IQ and he's exceptionally clever. Yeah. And like, I really do think it, it was, I mean, it's quite impressive. If you got away for 17 years, they never yeah. got like fingerprints. At, I mean, yeah. there's nothing. They never found any fingerprints. Nothing. <laughs> I actually, I actually think it's probably a lucky break that the brother yeah. recognized the writing. I feel like if that hadn't happened, my man would Not, probably yeah. still be at large. It would have been, probably more people would have died, more bombs would have gone out, who knows? Yeah, who knows? So, I mean, it's impressive the way he, he operated. And I mean, yeah. I th- I, when I found out that he didn't buy material, I was like, that is genius. That yeah. is absolutely genius. Because often people get caught when they find like a paper trail. But yeah. if you're living off the grid... And you're just picking up black sticks and stones to make a bomb. <laughs> like, that's... J- I'm not endorsing bombing. Please don't go bomb <laughs> something, okay? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm <laughs> just saying, I think it is very... I mean, like I said, he's got a PhD in mathematics. He's not stupid. Yeah. And I mean, when they found his cabin, they actually found a bomb that was ready to be mailed. Yeah, so, I mean, it was. They did stop a bombing because, I mean, yeah. that one, who knows if how many of that would have killed. Yeah. Um, and, like, apparently they found so much many writings and journals. Yeah. And I'm telling you, he went off the grid. In he was very he expressive. He moved into that cabin and yeah. banned bombings. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he did. <laughs> but, I mean, also, because he only bombed nine years later. Nine years is a long time to make sure your plan's going to go your way. Yeah. He didn't just... Oh, I'm going to start bombing people and next Tuesday... But he was very... To... I think he also had OCD tendencies because I yeah. think he wanted to plan everything to a T. He didn't want any mistakes. He didn't want any... Yeah. But you see, that's why I would love like a, like to read like the, psych, the psychiatric report or yeah. like read an interview with him because I think that would be pretty interesting to see yeah. what he actually... Like what's going on up in this brain. Yeah. Clearly... And interviews, people. Someone interview this man. (laughs) My thing is, the people, they either kill them or they don't interview them and they leave us hanging either way. Like, what? (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, but uh, it was an interesting case. And I also thought, I mean, not many criminals post a manifesto. That's another thing. You didn't get Jack the Ripper's manifesto or... I don't know who else have we done. The Black Dahlia Killers Manifest. Yeah. You don't get that. I mean, so no. the fact that he actually published something, I mean, that's, in, that's again, it's impressive. And it was, he a, was a man of different vision. case. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, but um, we'll leave you at that. Don't bomb anybody, okay? Please, Please. don't become Unabomber. We don't want you to. You. Like, don't. Yeah, we don't want to feature you on the show, okay? No, not, not <laughs> we don't that We come way, back no. next week. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to come back next week and be like oh this person bombed because of us no thank you i don't want to be inspiration <laughs> for crime okay uh-huh. no thank you but i suppose from now until next week 
No mourners, no funerals. Active FM radio has never been better. Like what you're listening to? Follow us on Gap and Twitter at ActiveFM, Instagram at ActiveFM777, and Facebook at forward slash ActiveFM.